This is CX of M Radio, the voice of customer experience professionals. Welcome to another episode of Press One for Nick. Your host, Nick Limsdahl, is the Director of Contact Center Solutions at VDS. Through conversations with customer service and customer experience leaders, Nick and his guests exchange insightful stories, best practices, and invaluable lessons they have learned along the way. Hello, everyone. My name is Nick Limsdahl, and I would like to welcome you to the Press One for Nick podcast. My guest today is Rob Stevenson. Rob is the president at Seeking Excellence, Inc. He is a professional speaker, trainer, consultant, author, and executive coach. And over 2,500 companies in 250 industries have invited Rob to help motivate, inspire, and educate their people. Companies like Boeing, American Express, Anheuser-Busch, Time Warner, and Kellogg, just to name a few. And these companies continue to rely on Rob to, to share his fresh, unique perspective on business's most cr- crucial issues. Rob, welcome to the Press One for Nick podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. I'm looking forward to it, Nick. Yeah, so you've been in uh, a keynote uh, professional speaker for, for quite a long time. How long how long you been in the industry? 20, 29 years. 29 years. Yes. So I'm sure in those 29 years, you've had a, a whole lot of stories, uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Uh, maybe share some, some, uh, some of the most embarrassing stories or maybe one of the most embarrassing stories that happened to you when you were a speaker. I think um, my favorite, and, and it's right out of the box. Um, in our industry, it's, really a, it's a really interesting industry because it's, it's, it's backwards. To get, to get a booking, you have to have a video. To get a video, you have to have a booking. So it's kind of hard to get into the profession. Uh, but I slowly but surely got my way into the profession. And I decided that I wanted to work with agents. And they would be the people that would be booking me. And so, uh, and it takes a while because an agent doesn't want to, you know, you're a new speaker and they don't want to risk their reputation on you doing right. a bad job because then mm-hmm. they'll lose a client for life and you just lost one. So it's a big deal to get, to get agents. So uh, I finally got my first booking. My first booking, 500 people in, in Central Florida in July through an agent. So I, I am pumped. I am ready to go. And, I mean, it's, it's July in Florida. It's, it's enormously humid. I mean, you know, you could just sweat the moment you walk out the door. Yeah. But, I mean, we got air conditioning. Everything is fine. There's nothing to worry about. And so I, um, I, I show up to the program. It's an evening program. It's a dinner program. And uh, I walk in there, it's really in a big convention center. And then I walk up to the meeting planner and I said, look, about 15 minutes before the, when I go on, I'd like to go make a pit stop. And I said, so where are the restrooms? And she very, she just went, oh, they're right over there. Rob. And I went, oh, okay. So I look and that figured that's where it was. And so I said, and I was sitting at the end of the table. And I said, so don't worry about a thing. <clears throat> I'll just slide out. And then I'll just slide back in. And she said, fine, not a problem. So everything was going good. Everybody's eating, music's playing, everybody's having a great time. About 15 minutes before, I, I slide out. And I go through the door that I thought she had pointed to. Mm-hmm. Wrong door. Okay. Now, I have no idea it's the wrong door, but it's the wrong door. And little did I know it locked behind me as I went through it. But I'm Perfect. walking down the hallway, and there's not really a whole lot of lights, but it's kind of an older convention center. So I figured it must be further down the hall. So I go through a second door. I still hadn't found the restroom. And I, that door locked behind me, but I didn't even know that one. Because I keep going, I, find, I, I go through the third door, and I finally find the rest. Like, oh, and I'm looking at my watch, going, i got to get out of here. So I do my thing, and I'm, I'm, I go back to the, the, the last door. It's locked. 
And I'm standing here, and I'm just, I'm just, I'm just shaking the door going, and I'm pounding on the door going, how, yeah, what am I going to do? I can't get through the door. No one can hear me. I've gone through three doors. I'm probably a hundred yards away from them. And the music's playing. They're eating. They're clanking their plates. I mean, so there's, I'm dead in the water. Mm-hmm. So, I'm, so I go the other direction looking for a way to get out. And then, and then I, so, well, that's not going to work. And then I remembered in the bathroom, this is an older one. They had those crank windows that cranked open. In, in this restaurant because they were up off the ground. So, so mm-hmm. I figured, okay, so I cranked the window open and when I looked down, it's about an eight foot drop and I go, I have no choice. I can't, I can't get back. I'm going to do this speaking engagement, okay? I'm going to do it. So I'm you gonna, can't I'm, disappoint. I can't disappoint. I got to show up, all right? So, so I, I take off the coat and throw it out the window and jump out the window, all right? Now, I'm not paying attention to where I'm jumping, all right? But I didn't realize I jumped into a gravel parking lot that had a nine foot fence. No. Oh, 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 yeah. You can't make this stuff up. Okay. I mean, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm going, are you kidding? I'm looking around. <laughs> what am I going to do now? So I walk into the fence. I go, and now well, I look back into the window and I said, well, I can't get back up the window. So I'm going, I'm over the fence. So I take the jacket, throw the sucker over the fence, and I climb the damn fence, <laughs> jump over the other side. Now, I'm in a blue shirt. Okay, I'm in a blue. In fact, I kind of wore it today because I never wear, I only wear white on stage from, from this point. I'll tell you what. So I'm in a blue shirt. I am spitting out. I'm sweating profusely. All right. Now I have to walk all the way around this giant convention center sweating more. All right. I'm totally messed up. I was in a beautiful suit, looking great and everything else. Now I'm messed up. I'm sweating bullets. And, and I come all the way around. And the guy who's hired me has no clue where I am. Right. No clue. He's so still he's eating. Up he's up there blowing smoke, just, just making small talk and everything else. And then and mm. then I walk in the door. And when I walk in the door, he goes, well, here's Mr. Stevenson right now. And I'll never forget this sound as long as I live. 500 people turned and all 500 at the same time went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm totally pitted out. Got my jacket over my shoulder. I'm dirty. Hair's all messed up. And, there. and there, there's an expression in my industry. When the tiger enters the temple, make it part of the ceremony. <laughs> there's nothing I can do. I'm dead in the water. I said, yeah. so, so what did I do? Walk straight down the middle of the aisle. I got to the podium, turned around, and I, and, I, and I I put my coat down, and I told them what happened. I oh, mean, man. they were on the floor. Well, so Everybody's just cracking their ass off. They couldn't believe it. People were bringing me water. They were bringing me towels. They're like, try after you. And I did the gig. I mean, I was going to do the gig. And so, and when I when I talk to younger speakers, when I talk to younger people about getting into business, yeah. you know, that was my first paid engagement wow. you know, with an agent that I had to do a good job. And what was hilarious is first, first you'll find out that audiences are very forgiving if you tell the mm-hmm. truth. The tiger entered the temple. I made it part of the ceremony. That's what happened. There's, yeah. there's no reason to lie. I mean, this is what happened, all right? Um, and they were. I got two more engagements because of it. You know, I did the I did the program. But I always look at people. And I said, you know, when you think it's going to start off pretty, it doesn't have to be pretty to work. Mm-hmm. But I got to the end, and and it was one of my proudest moments is to to make it to the end and to, mm-hmm. to do the program. And then and then I also learned never wear a blue shirt yeah. ever. <laughs> Okay, because it'll, it, don't let them see you sweat, all right? So that was my first engagement. In fact, the agent called me up and she says, well, I hear we had a rather interesting program. Right. <laughs> said, you can count on that, man. Oh, I mean, everything man. that could go wrong went wrong. But I still got through it. Right. So, 
you know, it's a, and that's how I try and teach people. I said, don't worry about it. Just, you know, get through it. You know, you know, things are going to happen and you just deal with it. And, do, and so that was, that was my first start off. And now I've done over 2,500 programs in 16 countries. And, you know, right. and the, and the first one started bad, right. <laughs> really bad, but right. that's okay. That's the way it is. Yeah. So did, did the other two gigs that you got because of that gig, did they ask you to come in drenched telling the exact same story? Oh, no, yeah. It, well, they, they actually, they actually introduced me when they introduced me, they said, you know, what had happened and, the reading, and they kind of tried to do the story themselves. But I will tell you this, I was on a stage one time in Vegas about a 20 footer and the front legs collapsed. Mm. Oh yeah, the front legs got. And the great news was it it became a slide. Okay, because I I went straight down, landed on my butt, slid all the way down, and ended up on my feet. And this was on camera. Oh, and this this guy hired me. And he says we got to put that in the program. <laughs> I mean, I've been in fires. I've been in earthquakes. Uh, you know, I would I was in Vegas when the power went out. Um, totally in, a, in, a, in, a, in an inside room so there were no windows and you can and two 40-foot screens and all the PowerPoint program, everything went out. I did I did 90 minutes in a dark room with emergency lights <laughs> and no microphone. I always fried my vocal cords. So, you know, you just, you just, you just deal with it. You know, it is what it is. And, and like I said, the audience will be with you if you're just honest with them. Yeah, no, that, that is an amazing story. Uh, even, even the, the slide, the, the fire, the earthquake, that is, uh, sounds like a book by itself. When you end yeah, up finishing yeah. your, your, your career, you just write that and go around and, and talk virtually uh, about all the experiences. About all, the, all, the, all the crazy programs. <laughs> so, uh, the, the main topic I wanted to talk about today and, and it leads into customer service and customer experience is adapting to change. Obviously okay. you did that from your very first talk uh, to, to today, but, um, to, to Rob, what does customer service mean to you? Well, to me, it's everything. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be, it's going to, it's going to predicate if you're going to stay in business because it's going to, it's not the first sale. It's the second sale. It's the third sale. I mean, there's an expression that it's a, a statistic that it's three times more expensive to get a customer back after you lose them. So uh, um, I'll, I'll, I'll ask people, I'll say, you know, who is your, who, you know, who is your, you know, your, your, your company, your yeah. company is the person that I'm dealing with at that moment. Yeah. That's who the company is. So it's not the name of the company. It's even though I might be dealing with an IBM or Amex or Regions Bank or whoever, but the person that I'm really dealing with is that person. So that's what it's that's going to, going to, going to be required. And, and how they deal with me on that present is going to make them successful or not. So it's everything. It's your it's it, it's also if you do a great job, you don't have to have advertising. Yeah. Because customers are going to tell people about you. And so, you know, so the, it, it's all about how you can get your people to, to, to make that company to be a part of them. So they, they personalize their, their company and, and they are the company. And then the you get those kind of people, you're going to run with it. You don't have to worry about it. It's everything. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the customer service experiences that you've had was uh, when you're at a hotel and you're unable to get coffee at about 7 a.m. Yes. Um, explain what, what that's like and the consequences of not serving Rob coffee at 7 a.m. I walked in this hotel. All right, it was late at night and I knew the next day I was going to be on stage early. So I asked the young lady behind the desk. I said, ma'am, when can I get coffee in your hotel? And she very politely looked at me and she said, sir, in our hotel, you can't get coffee before 7. And I said, 
oh, that's probably when room service opens up. And I says, but you don't understand. I'm the speaker. I'm going to be on stage about 7.30 tomorrow morning. So I need to have coffee about five. Mm. How can I get coffee about five in your hotel? And she very politely again said to me, sir, in our hotel, you can't get it before seven. And now I realize I'm dealing with what? An idiot. <laughs> I'm going to have to approach this thing from a whole different direction. So I said, I said, hang on one second. I said, if I check in your hotel at three o'clock in the morning, is there somebody behind the desk? And boy, did she take over. She said, Mr. Stevenson, this is an international hotel. She said, we have somebody behind our desk all the time. I said, great. So at three o'clock in the morning, I check in. You got somebody behind the desk? She says, yes. I said, at three o'clock in the morning, that person's drinking coffee. I said, in fact, behind the wall right there, you probably have your very own machine. She said, well, come to think of it, we do. I said, great. This is what's going to go down tomorrow morning. I said, tomorrow morning about five, I'm going to get up. I'm going to take the two mugs out of my room. I'm going to come downstairs. I'm going to lay them on your counter. You're going to fill them up with coffee. I pay you $5 a month. I just want coffee. Yeah. And then she gives me the finger. Ooh. And I'm, I'm kind of like, what? She said, the finger is a very important communication device in this world. When you have the finger in your face, don't you understand things a whole lot better, Nick? It's like, and she says, sir, let me make this perfectly clear. You can't get coffee out till 4-7. What is it you don't understand about that? So I'm like, okay, I got this. Folks, I've been in lots of hotels. I've been in lots of kitchens. So the next morning, I get up. I put on jeans and a T-shirt. I don't comb the hair. I figure, let's go make a visual, okay? Envision me walking across the lobby of this gorgeous hotel. I pass the mall. I walk into the kitchen area. Guy looks at me and goes, who the heck are you? I said, don't worry about it. He says, what do you want? I said, coffee. He said, well, sir, I happen to be responsible for the coffee. I said, great. And hotels this large, they're not small machines. It's a giant coffee machine. I walk out, I'm like, nirvana. <laughs> he says, how many cups do you want? I said, six. He said, six. Dude, you really love your coffee. I said, no, two are for me, four for the front desk. He said, what? I said, you don't want to go there. Son. You have no idea. Don't, don't go there. So this guy gives me six cups of coffee. Envision me going back across the lobby, jeans, t-shirt, hair all askew, okay? I walk up to the front desk and I lay four cups down. Boom, 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 boom. And I say, tell Mary you can get coffee before seven in this stupid hotel. <laughs> and the reason why I tell the story is I said, management doesn't understand that the gatekeeper of their organization is the person at that front desk who should have said what? When would you like coffee? Yeah. Now, that does not mean the customer is always right. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the customer is wrong. Sometimes they request things of an organization or a company or a hotel that they don't have. But if my statement is, this is a hotel, they got coffee, figure it out. Right. Why? Because all of a sudden, I get a meeting planner who I've done business with before call me up and say, Rob, we're thinking about going to the hotel. Should we go there? What do I say? No. Why? Can't get coffee before seven. <laughs> do you like coffee? Yeah, I like coffee. If you like coffee, you can't get it before seven. So, but if you look at it, I mean, that's it. It, it, it rolls downhill. So people have got mm. to understand that gatekeeper is that person, like a teller at a bank. You're not seeing the regional director or vice president of the bank. You're seeing the teller every day, day in and day out. They're the important people. They're the ones that make it happen. They're the ones that bring the customer back. And that person mm. at the front desk needs to figure that out. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's such an important um, conversation too, because how much was that cup of coffee? Yeah, 20 exactly. cents, right? Yeah. And, and, but you lost a, to the total lifetime value of that customer. If they were a valuable customer, let's say it's the, the Marriott or the Hilton, it doesn't really matter, right. but it could spend potentially thousands of dollars uh, with you across the, the country, especially you, you're, you're visiting uh, 250 different industries and 2,500 companies. That's a big deal. That's a big deal. 
That's a big deal. And there'll be, there'll be, uh, there are lots of meeting planners and lots of agents there and lots of companies that have called me up that I've worked for. And I've, I've done a keynote for them. And then you know, a lot of times they don't want to bring in the same keynote the next year and the next year. So they're going to bring in a different person, but they're looking at, they're looking at properties. They're looking at where they're going to take their people. And they'll call me up and they'll say, Hey, Rob, have you done a program at this hotel or this hotel? Or that? Oh yeah. Oh, go. That's fantastic. It's, mm-hmm. it's wonderful. You, you, you will, you will not regret going there. Or you get where you have the terrible experiences where the AV people were absolutely awful or, or you saw the behind the scenes stuff that's going on. I remember I had one guy, we were in Vegas. And then when I was set, showed up, they had two 40-foot screens that were set up wrong, totally set up wrong, way in front of the screen. And I do a lot of customization to my programs. Mm-hmm. So I like to be able to, and I don't like to look at monitors. I like to be able to look at, you know, I call it talk to the screen. I like to be able to look at the screen, glance in it, because I, I wrote the slide, I know what it says, yeah. but I like to make sure it's there, all right? So when I looked at the setup and I said, no, this is, this is wrong. And so, and the CEO and I were walking through and, and he, he was saying, how does it look? And the answer said, well, we, we got a couple of problems. And he said, gosh, please don't tell me we got problems. He said, please don't tell me. I said, what? He said, what's the problem? I said, the screens. I said, they're all wrong. And um, he said, Rob, I've spent over a hundred thousand dollars on AV at this place. He said, all mm-hmm. they have done is nickel and dime me to death. We wanted to change this. They charged us five hundred dollars. We want to change this. He said, and there was a mortgage company at the heyday of the mortgage company. He had five hundred people at this hotel for four days, and the next words were the most critical words. He said, I will never come here again. And he had spent uh-huh. a, a mountain of money. And right. forget just on the AV, but he said, he says, can you live with it? And I said, I, I, I got this. <laughs> I said, I'm going to kind of be out in the middle of the audience a lot. I said, I said, we ain't going to cost you a dime. I totally understand. But they just nickel and dimed him to death. And, and because of that, he hated him. He said, and, and he was a CEO. He was a decision maker. I will never come back here again. And that reminded me. So you, you learn those things. So if somebody called me about that hotel. I would say, oh, no. Beautiful hotel, great setup, looks real good, and they're going, they're going to just eat your money alive. In a competitive market, does your customer service stand out from the crowd? One way to offer a better experience is by moving your contact center to the cloud. But with so many options to choose from, how do you know which solution is the best for both your business and your customers? That's where VDS comes in and guides you to the best solution. They understand your clients' pain points, business outcomes, and goals. Then VDS designs, implements, supports, and provides 24-7 managed services. From start to finish, VDS is committed to finding the best solutions for your clients' needs. To learn more, go to www.govds.com or find a link in the show notes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the one thing you could, could have said is, Hey, listen, sir, I've done keynotes in, in the middle of the dark with emergency lights on. I can do about anything. Anything you want. Yeah. <laughs> we, we got this, you know, did you give me an audience and give me a microphone? I fact, I don't even have to have a microphone. I'll just yell loud. Right. <laughs> so in, in customer service, uh, what is, what's the importance of asking the question why? The, uh, if, and there's a, there's a recent book out. It's called The Ultimate Question 2.0. In fact, when they, when they originally wrote the book, it was the, the title was The Ultimate Question. Mm-hmm. And they came back and they rewrote the, rewrote the title because they found out that, that that was kind of confusing because when you say you ask the question, we well, always have to follow that question 
with a question. So they changed the title from Ultimate Question to Ultimate Question 2.0. Because yeah. the first question is, on a, on a, on a scale of 1 to 10, would you do business? Would you recommend us to a friend or associate family member to do business with us? Yeah. All right. So, and, and then you, you get a grade, you know, 10 being fantastic, one being awful. Yeah. But when they give you the grade, you have to follow with the second question, the one you just had. Why? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, I'll give you guys a 10. Why? What did we do so good? You know, or five, uh, what did we do so bad? Right. We, we've got to know. And, and so, and, and people hate surveys. I mean, you know, how many surveys have you have I done online where you, we never heard, got any input from anybody? Or to take out the fill out the survey, we'll send you a thousand dollars. You're going to be in a lot. And I've never heard of anyone ever winning that lot. Okay. <laughs> ever fill out the survey. So you hate surveys, but two questions is not bad. Mm-hmm. Even to the fact that you might, you know, even if you only answer one and you don't give them all the feedback to it, the smart companies are going to call you up immediately. Yeah. And ask you why. In fact, in the book, it talks about enterprise, enterprise leasing, car leasing. And they went from a $2 billion to a $20 billion company, 2 to $20 billion. So they're a player all right, using what's called a net promoter system is what this yeah. is referenced to. And it's, it's asking that key question. But what they found out is they had to fix the problem within the next 24 hours. See, it can't go up the flagpole and go all the way to regional and district and everything. And then a month later, come back and then you pick up the phone and you call the customer because the customer is always already upset. They don't want to do business with you again. But if you resolve the problem as fast as possible, all of a sudden the customer goes, well, gosh, they they blew it. But boy, did they fix it fast? Mm. I'll stick with them. Customers will give you that chance if you'll fix it fast. But if you don't fix it fast, I could care less. I'm on, I'm on to the next one. I mean, yeah. it's like my wife, when you start talking about the question, why? Well, why has now become five stars on a screen? When you go to Amazon, you, you go to wherever you're going and you're looking at what are the reviews and you're looking at those numbers. But now you've got to hate my wife because my wife, when she looks at that, she says, okay, check out the ones. Yeah. All right? she, she, you might have 5,000 fives, all right? But if you got 1,000 ones or you have 100 ones, She's gonna go read the ones, yeah. and then and she'll say, "Oh, that's terrible." Because if there if there if there's a lot, no, there might have to be a, just a washtub full of them. But there are enough there that's gonna get her concerned. Although she, her statement's gonna be, "Well, oh, that's gonna happen to us. That's yeah. that's terrible. That's gonna happen to us." You know, and <laughs> and so some of these people don't respond to these things. And, mm-hmm. and to me, a complaint, a customer who complains, is should be thanked profusely mm-hmm. because they're giving you the opportunity to fix it. Yeah. So they're, they're technically a paid consultant because they identify the problem. Kenichio May wrote a book years ago called The Mind of the Strategist. And in that book, he had a saying. He said, a problem identified is a blessing because you can't fix a problem unless you know you've got it. And so, and so when you look at it, to me, if a customer comes up and they complain about something, you're like, thank you very much. This is wonderful. It's a blessing. You're giving us the opportunity. You've identified a problem that we have in our system. And you're giving us the opportunity to fix it mm-hmm. and then do something else above and beyond for them because they did do that. Yeah. Then they're going to go, wow, wasn't that nice? I mean, uh, uh, I remember, I won't tell you, I won't tell you the, the hamburger chain, but I was working for, or ch- it was chicken chain that I was working for. So they had a protocol of how they handle a, a wrong order. Okay. And it's written in their book. It's in their handbook. This is what you do when you get a wrong order. All right. So I was going to be, it was about 5,000 of them that I was talking to in Orlando. 
So the day before, I figured, what the heck, I'm going to go to five of their locations, and I'm going to check out the protocol. So I ordered something, all right, and then I walked up to him, and I said, this order's wrong, you know, being a jerk. This order's wrong. You see how they handled it. And I knew what their protocol was supposed to be, mm -hmm. which was, you know, asking the question, what's wrong with the order? And, but they take it aside, and the first thing is, oh, I am so sorry, an empathy statement. I, I can't believe we did that. I, we'll, we'll get that corrected, Mr. Stevenson. And while we're getting it corrected, can I get you a Coke or something else while you're waiting for your inconvenience? I mean, knew what the total protocol was. Mm -hmm. right? this, this one guy opens up the sandwich thing, pulls the thing back, and says, looks okay to me, dude. <laughs> I'm like, dude, oh, he well, nailed it. That, that wasn't in the book. Right? So now he's telling me I'm wrong. He's moving my stuff around. Sliding. I mean, I went to five out, five out of five. Not one of them, not one of them did what was in the handbook. So when you look at your training and you look at all the things that are going on, where and I, I will give a plug to this, Chick-fil-A, off the charts. Yeah. Off, as kind as they can be, as sweet as they can be, they got the protocols, they got it going on during COVID, during everything. I mean, they, you, you can't fluster those people. Right. I mean, they, 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 you know, oh, I'm so sorry. I mean, you know, we'll get that fixed in a minute. It's, they're a fantastic company, fantastic yeah. company. So there are people that, that are getting their training and getting it right with their people and people that are giving training, but they're not getting it right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, even asking that additional question because the person that took the time, like you said, is an opportunity. The person right. that took the time to answer the question and say, I, I am frustrated and I need help. Um, they're not the only ones with that problem. Right. And so they're the only ones that spoke about it. So if you can fix that problem, you're fixing it for a whole lot of people that, that I call them the silent killers, the right. ones that have never even said anything about it, but you have that opportunity now to fix it. So, so I, I love that. Um, one, one of the things you talk about is uh, something called a FUBAR list. Why is it important for companies to have one? And what is it? Well, it stands for fouled up beyond all repair. Some people are gonna say it stands for other things, but it's fouled up beyond all, you know, it's fouled up beyond all repair. And the reason why I call it a foobar list is companies make mistakes. Everybody makes mistakes. But the biggest problem with the mistake is that why make it again? I mean, I'll walk into a company and I'll, I'll you know, let's say I'm doing a, a leadership meeting. So I'll ask their senior management. I said, you got a foobar list? And they go, what? I mean, mistakes that your organization has made, dumb things that your people have done. I said, because if you write them up and then you get a new hire, you walk up to them and you say, here's our foobar list. Okay, and you can title it with, you know, here's our mistake list. Here's our oops list or oh shucks list or whatever you want the hell you want to call it all right but here's our list we'd like you to read this list we don't need you to make these mistakes we'd like you to go make some new ones okay <laughs> but we don't need you to do these already we've already done those and paid dearly for them and and it and it, it's it's amazing how companies don't have these lists i'll give you an example i'm out of the country in cancun i'm doing a program for people that manage large skyscrapers big old tall buildings maintenance people and so i said somebody give me food Guy raised his hand. He said, I got this building in downtown New York, 50-story building. I said, okay. He said, we bought these new containers and we mismarked them. He said, one night we filled the soap dispensers in every restroom with white latex paint. Mm. I said, you have got to be kidding me. He says, oh, no. He said, in defense of the idiot that did it, white soap, white paint looked about the same. He said, he said, but I mean, get a visual the next morning, okay? Yeah. I mean, people in a 50-story building in downtown New York, they're down there, they're washing their hands, they're going, this is some serious soap. It won't come off my hands. I've been here a long time, you know? And I, I said, are you kidding me? He said, no. And I said, is anybody going to think any worse than that? Guy raises his hand. He says, 
that's nothing. 250 executives go, that's nothing? He says, my people clean the toilet seat tops with phosphoric acid. Mm. He says, we put rashes in really bad places. Right? So when you look at the mistakes that are out there, my statement is, you know, why are we making them over and over and over again? Um, <clears throat> let's, I mean, Nick, Nick, and then go to the banking side. Mm-hmm. I was doing one for a bunch of CEOs of banks. Nick Lessing, okay, was a major player in Barings Bank in, in London. Mm-hmm. All right. He invested 1.3 billion euros in the futures market mm-hmm. and it collapsed. This bank had been in business for 233 years. Her Majesty the Queen was a client. And this one man, all right, does this and bank's gone. It's toast. So when you look at that and then afterwards we were at a cocktail party and a bunch of CEOs were talking to me about, you know, Nick and him making the mistake. I said, oh, he didn't make the mistake. Oh, yeah, that's who they blame. I said, isn't that interesting who they blame? If it's my bank, there'll be seven signatures required on that document from major players before we ever put the entire bank at risk. Right. But see, they needed someone to hang it on. All right. So when you look at blame, I hate blame. All right. Mm-hmm. I want to find out why this happened. But in that scenario, when someone says, oh, well, he did it. No, 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 no. The protocols were totally wrong. The board of directors was totally wrong. Senior management was totally wrong. It wasn't just Nick. But that's who right. they blamed. Yeah. That's, that's unfortunate. Uh, but it, you're, you're right. Somebody needs a face to the, to the organization doesn't necessarily mean that that's the one who should always be get right. the, the blunt of it. Um, you know, so w- when it comes to customers, how do you keep a pulse on the customers and, and maybe what questions are you asking? Well, when I own my own companies, all right, uh, we had lots of repeat customers. And, and, and uh, one of the questions that I ask twice a year, to our repeat customers, face-to-face, mm-hmm. not on the phone, face-to-face with our salespeople or with management, all right? Sending out senior managers to them. We say in a perfect world, if we could provide you perfect service, what are we not providing you? And then, and then shut up, all right? Shut up and listen. Because now, they use their, you, know, you know, has there been a problem? Has there been a mistake? Has there been something that you haven't told us about? Because what I try and put the fear of God in companies is, is, Today, people don't call you now and complain. Yeah. They leave. And as I've already told you, it costs you three times more to get them back. Mm-hmm. So when you, so you want to know if you're doing it right or wrong. And so you got to stay on top of that. Now, when there's a problem, you can, you can jump all over it. All right. And, 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 uh, <clears throat> and sometimes you can get a customer. I had, I, I had one client who taught me this. He said, Rob, we lost a customer, huge customer. And he said, um, I called the guy up and he said, I'm not business with you again. I hate you guys and everything else. He said, he said, can I just come see you? I don't know why you're coming to see me. He said, so he walks in there and he brings a camera crew with him. And he walks in there and he said, and he, and he says, and this is the president of the company. He says, he says, Johnny, he says, I know you're, you're furious. He said, so I'd like to ask you a favor. He said, because I know you're never going to do business with us again. He said, but we've got to learn from this. We have got to learn from this. He said, so if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to kind of, relive that conversation we had a week ago where you were screaming, yelling, ranting, raving, and spitting into the phone about gonna kill me because of the money that I cost you. He said, I'd like to get that on video so my people can see just what we did to you. And he said, and if you don't wanna put it on video, he said, I will fly you down to our annual conference with our entire company and ask you to go on stage and explain it to our people. He said, because they need to understand that when we do this to you, then you have a problem with your company. 
companies that you're doing business with, it's a trickle down effect because yeah. then you're going to be late for an install and you're going to be late for this. So we, what we did to you really, really hurt you, but they don't understand that. He said, would you do that for me? He said, and you don't, you don't owe us anything. You hate us. He said, but we're trying to learn. He said, well, you know, what's amazing about this technique. You wouldn't believe how many customers we've gotten back when the guy knew that we were sincerely caring about trying to get better and we had totally screwed up and I'm not trying to buy your business back or anything else, but I, I, I really need your help. And then they're like going, and then the guy would be standing up there and he says, you're going to bring me down an entire company. Yeah. You can tell him, you can scream at him. You can tell him exactly what you did. And this is what it cost me. You jerks. He said, yeah. I want him to see it. So they understand how important that is. How, I mean, the day you forget you're in business for the customer, is the day you start going out of business. Mm. That's what this is. And that's what a lot of our employees don't understand. It's just another customer. Well, guess what? It might not be just another customer. They could be gone. And in this pandemic, there's a whole lot of bankrupt companies. Yeah. No, that's, that's such a great point. And a great lesson to, to, to leave the listeners is the, the two questions that you just mentioned. Um, so speaking of two questions, I, Rob, I wrap, I wrap up every podcast uh, with two questions. Okay. So hold on to the seat. Uh, hope you're wearing a white shirt and not a blue one. Yeah. Um, but uh, the first question is, um, what book or person has influenced you the most in the past year? And the second question is, is if you, you could leave a note to all the customer service and all the customer experience professionals and it would reach all of them. What would it say? Well, the book, the 2.0 was the good book. Okay, the ultimate question. And I, I highly recommend that to anybody, but I'll, I'll, I'll skew off of that. Um, um, my son works for me. Uh, he, uh, when he got out of grad school, I said, hey, why don't you come do some stuff for me? And uh, I, I want a millennium. I want somebody I can bounce my ideas off. And I, it is amazing when you say, what do you think of that article? And, and just... He'll red pen that second. He's, he's a phenomenal writer, but he cuts to the chase and he gets to the point. And that's, that's what I was looking for. But when you talk about somebody that um, has changed, and this, this is tough for me to talk about, has changed my life. My son is a type one diabetic. He got it when he was nine years old and um, it doesn't ever go away. And so I've been working really close with him for uh, the, you know, for, especially for the last six or seven months, all right, because we're changing everything. We're doing everything different. And, you know, he's phenomenal with the, with, with video, he's phenomenal with setup. And, and, uh, and, and so we've been working our way through, you know, how do we do this and how do we do that? Or I've been working and, and, and pulling off of him, but it's amazing to watch him. Now he does what he does and he, he never gets down. I mean, he's, he's a type one diabetic. I mean, there, you know, there's not a whole lot of them out there and it will, he will never, ever heal ever. And he never gets down. I mean, uh, when, when people look for, uh, you know, people that they look at and they look up to, I look at my kid. And I go, he, he's just, he's just an incredible kid. And, 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 he, and, he, and he's so smart, but he, and I, and I've leaned on him a lot. And, and, and look at him because I'd get frustrated because I mean, that's not the way I do it on stage. And that's what I mean. He says, he says, dad, it doesn't matter. This is what we got. Mm-hmm. And that's the way he handled his diabetes. It doesn't matter. This is what we got. In fact, when he got it, I quit eating what he couldn't eat. I said, you don't have it. We have it. And he reciprocated back like that when we're working this together. So to me, it's my, it's my son. <laughs> Sorry. Wow. I'm going to get emotional. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. He's, he's, and then, and, and the last question was, 
Yeah. So the last question is if you could leave a note to all the customer service and all the customer experience professionals, and it would reach everybody, Rob, Rob would pen this note and it would, you could, you could push it out and it would get mailed to everybody in the world. What would it say? It's two. Okay. And it's going to be two statements. It's going to be the first statement that I said, the day you forget you're in business for the customer is the day you start going out of business. Yeah. And then the, the next statement I want to make to them is, you're you're selling to your mother, father, brother, sister, or aunt or uncle. That's who you're selling to. All right. However, how are you, how would you treat them? And if you will treat that customer like your brother, sister, mother, aunt, or uncle, or whoever, and you will treat them and you it's it's a four-letter word, care, feel, all right, show, help. I mean, that's what this is all about. When I feel the empathy in somebody trying to help me through it, even if they might not have it or they can't do it, but I feel that they really care that they're trying to help me, yeah. I'm there. I might not do business with them for that, but I'll come back to them later because they truly care about the customer. So the day you quit caring about that customer is the day you, you, you don't deserve their business. You're gone. You're toast. And, and so many companies forget that. You just become a, a stupid number. There are some companies that you can't, you can't do business with. You have, to, you have to email them, all right? You cannot talk to anybody on the phone. Are you kidding me? I mean, how, I mean, how stupid. You spend millions of dollars trying to get us as a customer, and then when something goes wrong, we can't reach anybody. We can't get it fixed, and you don't want us to reach anybody, yeah. all right? We got to type it in and then wait for an answer later on. Now, you want to set your company apart? Put your phone number up on the screen and have somebody there to, to answer that phone and jump on it and say, what can we do to help? I can't fix that right now, Mr. Stevens. It's been three hours. I'll have you an answer. I understand what you're coming. I, I can't believe that happened. I am so sorry. Let me see what we can do about that. And then I'm going, wow, I reached a human. No, now, now we, yesterday I was typed into a bot. And finally I said, I give bot. You're an idiot. All right. Because it's, it's a bot. It's yeah. trying to take all the protocols and trying to come up with an answer that it needed. And I need, you know, I spent 15 minutes talking to a bot yeah. all right, where I could have spent three talking to a human, but they don't want to spend that kind of money. They want the bot to take care of it. Yeah. So no care about them. Yeah. No, that's such great advice. And, and I hear it all the time and, and it's unfortunate that a lot of organizations um, don't treat a human like a human. They treat them like a number and yeah. that is unfortunate and they're going to regret it uh, in the future when they start losing an abundant of customers. Um, so uh, Rob, uh, the, you know, the, the best way to connect with Rob um, is through his website, robertstevenson.org. Uh, you can connect with him on LinkedIn, Robert Stevenson Speaker. Um, anything else that any other way that they can connect with you or maybe they want to find a way to to have you be a keynote speaker and like what they hear today, what's the best way? Um, maybe just reach you out through the website. Reach through their website, connect with me on LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I, I put, I try and put out something every day on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. All right. That's uh, that just it helps people get better at what they do. So please connect with me on LinkedIn or follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, because you know, we, no one, no one's going to solicit anything from me. We just, I try and just, just share the information of what I've learned. Uh, and as far as keynotes, I mean, we're now doing virtuals um, and, and, and booking next year for the contracts now say virtual and booking. Wow. Live or virtual, doesn't matter. It's one or the other. Um, but uh, so now we're doing virtuals and, and I, everything I do is custom. I do it for my clients. So, so I customize all programs. I don't do a canned speech about, oh, let me pull this off the shelf and plug it in. 
So I customize it. So um, let me know what you're looking for and what you're trying to accomplish, and I'll put together a program for you, and we'll we'll put it on the tube. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, I've actually had the privilege to hear Rob last year um, at the customer service revolution and um, was blown away by his talk. So I um, highly recommend him and uh, the content he puts out every day um, takes time. It is not easy. So I would recommend connecting with him on LinkedIn also. Rob, thank you so much for being a guest on press one for Nick and uh, look forward to continuing to learn and, and, uh, uh, hear what you're doing and, and um, you know, growing on the LinkedIn, um, the stuff that you're doing on LinkedIn. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it being on your podcast. Hey, listeners, can you think of one person who would benefit from the information you learned today? If so, please consider sharing it with them by giving them the link of this episode or directly from your app. And last, if you'd like to receive all the quotes and book recommendations from all my guests, go to pressonefornick.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for joining us for this session of CX of M Radio. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit cxofm.org for more resources.